Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement that you don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? And how often do you think about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies, doing the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident with your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals Fight are night. our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website or give us a call at 860-430-5397. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to me. Taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Fins two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the race, and the race do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, locked it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand when it comes to fist of cuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing weight. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eighth and retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Throwing Jabs Combat Sports Podcast. I'm Big Jace, joined by Joe Aguirre and Jared Jones. We got some a big, big boxing match in uh, the welterweight division coming up with uh, Crawford and Porter, and we'll get to that. But first, we got to recap last week's big fight, UFC featherweights. Max Holloway beats Yair Rodriguez, the unanimous decision. I mean, what a great fight. Both gamers, both there. I mean, beast fight. But, I mean, Max Holloway, second, be- I mean, second best featherweight. And, I mean, he he beats everyone not named Alexander Volkanovsky. Retro? A thousand percent. You know, it's funny. Look at the score. And you saw the you saw in the intro. Nice job with that, by the way. You saw uh, yeah, your Rodriguez knew his name wasn't going to get called. And he had no objection to the fact that he fought a razor thin fight with Max Holloway. But again, I think it's one of those things. If they fought this thing 10 more times, 
I think this was probably the best Yair could probably get in that matchup. Well, and uh, somebody said that points was a bad bet. If you add those up, it doesn't equal over five and a half. So uh, the points was a bad bet on Max Holloway. Good one to stay away from. Your boy said that. Holloway by decision was the bet. You're welcome. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, Max Holloway is great. But the thing is, with this, uh, where does he go from here? I mean, does he just keep beating, keep playing gatekeeper so no one can get get to Volkanovski? Or I mean, a uh, third fight with Volkanovski is that in the cards, or or can he go up to to lightweight? Where do you see? Where does Max Holloway go from here in in your eyes, Joe? Oh, I I mean, I think he's listen. <laughs> You you know I I love Max Holloway and you know I believe he lost both close right he he did lose them both he didn't win any and 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 I talked to a lot of Max Holloway fanboys who you know believe despite you know being outlanded significantly uh in a couple of knockdowns in the first round and you know they think that's how you win a fight is what you did in the first round Max lost it he's still a great fighter and and you know listen there's not a lot of other people. Uh, in this division that are that are making a serious play right now. So I would say, do we want this fight sooner than later? Meh. You know, I don't know if we need it. I don't even know if Max wants it. But if he's going to stay in this division, and I don't see any reason why the number one contender wouldn't, uh, I think you you got to see him and Alex the Great go at it, complete the trilogy and and do it now i mean what's the what's the sense in waiting a couple of years what are you going to get out of that nothing so let's do it yeah oh uh, where do you see Holloway going from here jared uh i agree with him there's nothing else there for him he's cleaned out everything under that i'm 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 feeling like uh covington Colby Covington, you know, Holloway will beat everybody else in this division, not named Volkanovsky. And that's it. I'm not sure I want to see it again, but I'm not sure I want to see him fight anybody else. It's kind of a strange situation. He'll beat everybody, everybody else. Calvin Qatar rematch. That was fun. That was real fun. I could see that. Yeah, again, I mean, you know, if him and Volkanovski are just going to beat the crap out of everybody else uh, for a little bit before they rematch, I'm fine with that, too. Uh, but I, Max isn't moving up, so I know, mean, that's, just don't think that's in the cards. I, I think he can. I mean, he's already a big guy at featherweight. Uh, and, I mean, he, he did taste it a little bit with Dustin Poirier. But also... That, that that's him fighting the best lightweight in the game right now. Well, Max Holloway isn't going to move up and fight bums. That's you know you're not no, you're not yeah. right. Nobody nobody moves up and fights a gatekeeper. You move up and you try to get like the best fight that you can. And maybe maybe Dustin Poirier was a little out of his league. You know, I mean, if you're if you're making that kind of jump, I don't know if if that's the guy. I mean, what who who would have been a worse pick, Khabib? I think wasn't there talk about wasn't Holloway supposed to to fight Khabib yeah, on yeah. short notice? Couldn't make the weight, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, Max will Max will stay here and he'll fight Volkanovski, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know. I, I think 
the move to lightweight probably is uh, yeah probably yeah if my theory holds true about the elite and then the number one contender being uh in a separate category above two through a hundred then yeah uh i i do think that that's probably what would happen again uh it, you know and and i think here's the problem too with max is Max can take a beating as much as he can give out a beating. And there are a lot of these five rounders. And he's been through a lot of wars now with a lot of people going the distance. I think his last five now uh, have all gone decision and have all gone the distance. So, you know, just, uh, my thought is, is how, how bad does he want to get back into a ring with, a, with one of the few guys in this sport that could outland him significantly? And that's what Volkanovski did. So, you know, again, if you're yeah. Mac, you you like to win. You you could see, you know, again, this guy's got my number. You know, there there's still fights to be had. There's still glory to be won. I just don't know how soon you're getting your hands on that belt. Yeah, or, well, or what move up to, you know what I mean. I don't think Holloway I don't like moving either. up. He's he's a smaller guy, um, and lightweight. I will tell you, there's one fight I like at lightweight because I don't think you could get him in there with a really, really technically sound guy because he'd be too small. But um, if he could come up and hold the weight properly, I'd like to see him fight Gagey. I think that's one of yeah. the more exciting fights you can make right now is Holloway Gagey. If, yeah, he, can, I mean, if he can hold the weight, but I just think he's too small for that weight class. All right. No, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, I do think, I mean, he's got no, I mean, the, the Volkanovsky trilogy maybe, but then where does he go from there? And, and everyone at lightweight, the, those are money-making fights. Him against Gaethje, that's great. You want to do the Poirier one again? Great. I mean, Connor's there. I mean, that's probably not in the cards, but still people will talk about it. I mean, everyone at lightweight, they, they can make you some money. And I, I think really, I mean, I, I hope Holloway from that one Poirier fight at lightweight. I hope he can learn from that because I, I, from that, I just yeah, saw. I think he learned that the, the size difference and the power associated with it is too different uh, than his current division. And so that's why he went back to no. the featherweight. Well, I'll well, give you a lightweight that figured that out. Connor McGregor. There you Remember go. when Connor went up and fought Nate Diaz? Same thing. He's hitting him with these clean shots that anybody his size is going to sleep, and a guy 10, 15 pounds bigger than him just is not. We'll take all of that, and you know Nate. <laughs> but, that was a very good impression yeah. of Nate. I like Thank that. You. Thank you. Um, yeah. No, but, you're, no, you're exactly right. Again, listen, uh, I, I was. you said Gaethje, and I'm thinking, yeah, that'd be a great fight. And then I'm thinking – Man, if I'm Max Holloway, like, is that the fight that I want? A guy that probably hits as as, as often as I do and a little bit harder. It's fun for us. Yeah, yeah. we'll all enjoy <laughs> that fight. But if I'm Max, I don't know that that's – I don't know that I want a guy that's like, you know, a, a, if a I'm harder – wife or kids, I stay right where I am. Yeah, yeah. if I'm Max or anybody <laughs> close to him, I stay right where I'm at and I work for that Balkanovsky, uh trilogy. Yeah, so I mean that that's probably what we'll get. I think I think he could he could turn some heads at light lightweight though. Because I, I mean, 
You, you talk about the power and that stuff. His style, it, it isn't really about the power. It's about his gas tank. And it, that, that's something I, I feel he didn't really show. You're, you're about 58% correct. The, the problem you have to understand, too, is, is, is you know, he, he needs to be able to beat you down. The gas tank is great. He's a volume guy, of course. Yeah. But if he's hitting you with volume and it's not hurting you, then all he's doing is burning his tank and he's not knocking your your red bar back any. That's problematic. So that again would be my concern is it's not look it's not another thing Max could could or would. And I know he would stand toe to toe with Justin Gaethje, but I just feel like everything coming back would be worse than what he's putting out. Mm. You know, and Gaethje's a Gaethje's a high volume kind of guy. I mean, that would be a war, and I just feel like that's a war that, as good as Max is, if he was still standing at the end of it, it would be, it would be because Gaethje's not. You yeah. know what I mean? And that would be really tough to do. So I don't, I don't, I, I'd rather see him go back and fight Volkanovski. Yeah, I feel like that's a guy if he lands Safer. that he could potentially knock out. Um, I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, regardless, I mean, he's done all all he can, really. And it's just, I mean, another rematch at, at featherweight, beat uh, de- defeating the up and comers, being that gatekeeper, uh, or, or maybe something new at lightweight. But re- regardless, I mean, Max always, Max Holloway, Wh- whoever he fights, it's gonna be fun. And he's gonna make uh he's gonna it's gonna be a show regardless. But uh speaking of moving up and weight, uh Canelo Alvarez has gotten permission from the WBC to jump up not one but two weight classes. Oh, over all the guys that could be yeah, over oh, all the way to cruiserweight. Uh in his next fight to challenge for that title. And I mean, he's already told you it would be somebody you never heard of. I said it. It just wasn't John Ryder. Or is that the guy's name? Yeah. Right. He went, he went two weeks. He found the John Ryder two weight classes (laughs) up. Congratulations. Who has a a loser? (laughs) You skip. There's like three or four guys. I'd love to see you fight. Yeah. Right, heavy. Why are you skipping that? The only guy you wanted there was Kovalev. Look at that list of light heavyweights and tell me the only guy you want to see Canelo fight on it. Yeah, get I mean, out of it's, here. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Get out of here. Man. But uh, Kovalev. I mean, him against. Uh, I can name Smith, ten guys in that weight class. I'd rather Turbiev, Bivol. Yeah, but he I mean, should be ashamed of himself. I mean, really, I, I think it's time oh, to yeah. like yank yeah, that number one point, yes. pound for pound BS. Get out of here, you bum. Go, 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 go continue your Rocky three ascent. Go fight your bum of the month club and just hope to God that Clubber Lang doesn't show up, Canelo. Yeah. Loser. I mean, can, can you imagine? I mean, this could be going up this this amount of weight. I mean, it could be. It'd be really bad. We could have a Buster Douglas situation, and I, I mean, love that. But you do the the thing though is, yeah, you, you have that that uh, excuse built in. 
Well, he was up two two weight classes, or even three, if you want. Yeah, but he's also going to lose that because you fought a bum that no one's ever yeah. heard of. Yeah, you're right. So good luck with that. That's when you when saying. you get These beat up by that guy, good luck. Yep. Sooner wow. or later, you're going to lose that. But Anthony Yard, if you want to move up, Fanlong Mang's like seven feet. I'd like to watch that if you want to move up. Lyndon Arthur looks good if you want to move up. Sullivan Barrera's a little old, but hey, you're moving up. Bossy's still undefeated. But do Jack, I'd still watch. Marcus Brown, Gilberto Ramirez is undefeated. Go fight that guy. Stop talking about Joe Smith. Dimitri Bivol, Arthur Baturbiev, these are the guys you should be fighting. I go up one weight class. I don't want to see you fight anybody there. Stop doing this. Yes, embarrassing for yourself and for the sport of boxing for as long as they have him on that pound-for-pound pound list. He should not be number one anymore if these are the guys he's going to fight. The top yeah. three in that weight class have losses, and four is a Coley who's not that good. He's going to lose as soon as he the last. You don't have one undefeated guy in the top 12 at cruiserweight. Who is he supposed to fight? This is number one on the pound for pound list, and you're moving into a place where nobody's undefeated. Everybody has losses. Bradis, this is the this is the top of the list. There, that's the guy you want to see Canelo fight. We're it losing is, it. I bet you this wasn't even a thought in Canelo's mind when Usyk was the king of cruiserweight. I bet you that. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't see him looking at. There you uh, go. Those guys belt. could meet though. Their weight, they could meet. Yeah, and I mean, he's talking about moving <clears> up, <throat> and I mean. His natural weight, middleweight, you have a beast that we saw last night in uh, Andre. That would be a great fight. I mean, the, the Charlos. You see, here's the problem. the problem. But those guys are close. You guys, Canelo yeah. and right, listen, are close. You guys think that Canelo's looking for good fights, and he's not. He's looking for the most winnable fight that he can find. Winnable. Yeah, yeah, that's all this is. Pathetic. Yeah, I mean, he was taking well, advantage as a of fan, fan if I'm looking at the guy that's the number one on the list. Yeah. He's yeah, got to I mean, be fighting better competition than this. You're looking at a guy that's top of the list that <laughs> lost to Usyk. Brightest I, 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 lost I, to Usyk. And those two could know? meet. You think Usyk wouldn't come back down to fight Canelo? Hell yeah, he would. Of course he would. Yeah, but- Cause yeah, cause uh, because well again again the difference. You remember when 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 uh, Usyk uh, was willing to step back from the Joshua stuff, whatever he had to do for them to make those fights, dude. He was like, yeah, yeah whatever. I'm, I'm I'll fight whoever, wherever, whenever. He's not he's not going to South America looking for the bum of the month club. Yeah. That's the difference here, but but I'm, I I have to if, if anybody who's an actual Canelo Alvarez fan, and I don't know that I personally know a person who would actually call themselves a huge Canelo I Alvarez would. fan. I, would I don't. I you would say you're a huge Canelo yes. Alvarez fan. Then yes. I'll ask you the question: How do you feel about this? How do you feel I, about I his last good. five or six fights? Is it, it embarrassing? It's is it so, embarrassing it is. to you that this guy doesn't want to fight anybody? That yes. Triple G is is slowly melting away to nothing, and he's just kind of waiting. I don't know till till he's what, maybe till Gullah Bulkin's what forty two. 
43, maybe you'll take the fight then? Is that what he's waiting for? Yeah, let me jump in and answer this question. What can fix boxing? Sander, and the answer is uh, scrub scraps. If you had intramural matches in the beginning, I was just talking about this yesterday. Let's show them that you can do exciting without high skill level. Less and less people want to watch this other stuff. If we can show them what they want to see. And that ascension, I'll tell you what, watching these kids come from not knowing the game at all to just a few months in having their first fight, to a few years in having their 10th fight, watching that ascension from zero fights to 10 fights for somebody who's walking into the gym for the first time is is so much more exciting than Floyd from 40 to 50. Every single time, it's more exciting. And it doesn't take you 47 minutes to watch a fight. It takes you eight. And when you do that, you force a commission You do intramural matches in the beginning and they are more entertaining and you end up forcing a commission where the skill level goes up. The Olympics, look at the amateur matchups. They tournaments, they have to fight each other. You just go away and say the other kid's better than me is the only way out of those amateur tournaments. It's called a walkover. Yeah, and I I think really the big like actual fix to boxing is just, one one thing, not not the WBC, not the WBO, just everything, not the IBF, just everything in one. Because I mean, look at the UFC. I, I mentioned last week Canelo. I, I said Canelo's like a like a Conor McGregor who's more active. And, but the reason Conor McGregor can't pick and choose like fights like this, like he can't go fight uh, like like uh, I love Dan Hooker, but Conor McGregor versus Dan Hooker, Dana's never gonna make that fight. Because you're Conor McGregor, you you have this this value to your name, so you're gonna have to fight guys like this. If I had to bet, Conor McGregor's next fight is going to be in boxing. Because if he does fight again, because he can't fight a, a Jake Paul, he, he can pick a guy. He can fight some uh, 140th ranked guy, and because he's Conor McGregor, he'll still make money off of it, and it'll be a nice win for him. Go up to cruiserweight. There's nobody there. (laughs) But, I mean, it's wild. It's ridiculous. When you talked about fights, Jared, you said um, interesting and low skill level. I thought you were talking about Paul Acosta's fight plan. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, speaking of Paul Acosta, he forced a, a, a weight class up. Just talked about Canelo. Brings us to who you got. What is the best best performance up a weight class, Joe? Uh, all right, so I, I'm going to split this up into uh, into the two different sports. I, I I couldn't just do one because Daniel Cormier jumped right to mind. Obviously, being a guy who won championship belts in in the the two biggest and and I think most difficult weight classes. So I I've got him uh, with Robert Whitaker and Dustin Poirier. Uh, on my list of MMA guys. And I, I threw Anthony Johnson a mention just because I know you like him. <laughs> on the boxing side, um, I went big name because I think there's a lot of guys in boxing that I, I think have really made a step up in weight class. But for me, uh, Manny Pacquiao, uh, who I think has done it across uh, five or six divisions, Oscar De La Hoya. Oh, is he, how many, is he eight 
And De La Hoya is six. Uh, Roberto Duran, another one uh, who, again, would move up to go fight somebody uh, who was really good because he wanted to beat the crap out of people. And he and it wasn't just beating somebody up. It was beating up uh, guys who he thought were bigger names than him. So those are my step up guys. All right. I like that good list. Look. I forgot Robert Whit- Whitaker fought at welterweight, too. That, mm-hmm. that was a good one. But, uh, Jared, what you got? My guys are all uh, middleweights, uh, boxing middleweights that went up and won heavyweight titles. So my list is guys that I saw as the smaller phenoms right around middleweight that somehow carried that talent and skill all the way up through heavyweight to be champions number three chris bird really good look him up if you don't know who i'm talking about he was a smaller heavyweight but he could move man and number two on my list he actually had a corner his dad didn't have a big enough spot for a ring so he had a corner they had one corner in their basement where the kids would scrap and they talk about in the pocket and phone booth fighting. And this is one of the greatest phone booth fighters you've ever seen in your life. James Tony. James Tony made that move all the way up, carried it to heavyweight and was competitive up there. And number one on my coming up in weight class list, I don't see how he can be left off of anyone's Evander Holyfield. Chris yep. Bird, James Tony, Evander Holyfield. I actually, I, I apologize because I actually wrote uh, Holyfield and I, I put Usek as well. Uh, Ooh, and I had them, like... I had them underneath. As soon as you said it, I was like, oh, he's going to say Evander Holyfield, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I really did. I had it written down. I wrote, I wrote him and Usek down just because, again, I mean, for me, that's, I think that's a great step up when, it's when funny you're, you're an is... undersized heavyweight, basically, right? You're an undersized heavyweight. And then, and then you pull the plug. You're like, I'm going to go for it. Uh, well, so that's you, you... the thing. Roy, like Roy Jones, take for example. Um, um, you take Andre Ward or one of these, uh, Manny Pacquiao. Okay, so eight weight classes, right? And they're about seven pounds a piece. So you moved up about 50 pounds from when you were a teenager to when you were in your 30s. Okay, that makes sense to me. Now, a guy that's fighting his whole career at 185, 190, who decides to bulk up to 220, and then he's fighting guys that are 270, 265. You're talking about a huge, that's eight weight classes right there. Roy Jones fought John Ruiz and gave up six, five, six weight classes in, in that one transition. He's moving six, seven, eight weight classes. So I, I have difficulty saying the best performance moving up a weight class is when you went from catch weight of 150 to 154. And then picked up a random belt. That can't do it for me. These guys were like a buck sixty, buck seventy, soaking wet, and won heavyweight titles in boxing. Give me those guys. And Usyk's a great example. Somebody who came up from from super middle and came up and came up and light heavy, and he's naturally a light heavyweight. He and Canelo are probably both naturally light heavyweights. One of them wanted to go up and fight the best competition. And the other one wants to kind of pick and choose and and land in a Callum or a Liam's lap. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, for me, 
The first name that came from mind with this was Daniel Cormier, obviously. But also, Daniel Cormier can't really count. (laughs) Daniel Cormier can't really count. He started his career at heavyweight, won the Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix, then actually went down when he came to the UFC. Daniel Cormier losing weight, I imagine, was very difficult. Because even when he was the light heavyweight champion, I had a lot of questions as to how that guy possibly (laughs) made weight for any of those fights. He made light firm at light heavyweight. Yeah. (laughs) Remember the towel game where he's like pushing down on the towel and everyone's Yeah. Yeah. But uh, for for me, there's one, the, the best one, while it isn't the best for the sport, it's got to be Conor McGregor. Goes. You, you ever notice, real quick, Jared, when he when his explanation leading up to what he's about to say is long, it's like this is going to piss us off, isn't no, it? Yeah. Nice job. But <laughs> Conor McGregor ruined the sport by doing this. <laughs> he sleeps Jose Aldo. I agree with that. Yeah. Goes up, sleeps Eddie Alvarez. Then goes up again, for fights Nate Diaz, loses, and then comes back and, and wins. It was impressive. So I mean, you talk about going up and wait. He, he does it. He ruined the sport by not defending any of the belts and and just uh, taking away the value of the belts. But when you talk about going up and wait, Conor McGregor, and, and I mean the jump one uh one fifty five to one seventy that's a big big jump and not a lot of people uh, a lot of people can attest to that I mean people have struggled but yeah so yeah Conor McGregor has to be one of the best. Let me jump How in on Sander again. Uh, um, they can they can in order for that to work you need the WBO WBA IBF all of those little leagues you need one international commission for the planet and that means taking all of their money and all of their important people and making those people less important and putting the money somewhere else so you're just not at this point somebody with a lot elon musk wants to take over boxing but otherwise you're not going to get that done because there's too many high profile people with too much money flying back and forth and you it's just not going to happen. You need one commission that says, like, there's a heavyweight champion instead of five of them. And it doesn't help that one of your, at least one of your organizations is terribly corrupt. So, at least, I at mean, least one. At, the over under is two and a half, John. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, look, either way, I, I think the boxing promoters are a huge problem. Yep. Sometimes there's guys who do want to fight. But they're with different promoters, and that fight's never going to happen. So, you know, look, the difference between the UFC and boxing, we've talked about this, and uh, for Sander, we'll kind of lay on what what we've discussed. In the UFC, it's, I mean, Dana makes the fights. Yep. And Dana knows people like good fights. And so, again, uh, Holloway and and Rodriguez, that's a one versus three. Uh, there's no reason for the one to be fighting the eight or a 13 or a guy who's, there's no reason for that. Well, you'll see it in boxing. You'll see it in boxing. You'll never see it in MMA. It's the reason MMA is so much more 
exciting. It's the reason why, if you're a champion in MMA, you've had to earn your way to get there. You fought three or four fights against the top of the list to get where you get. You get one crack at it, and you go to the back of the line if you lose. That's how it works in this sport. In boxing, you just keep picking. You find guys that are older. Everybody's getting the Rocky Three treatment these days, especially all the young guys. Again, I said it before, I say it again, Teofimo Lopez, the only guy that's like, I want to fight champions. I want to fight the best. That's what you should be doing. You well, can't be fighting guys that are 37 years old when you're 22. That, that, that's, that's what Jake Paul has seen you guys doing. That's why he's doing it. Where else is that? Where else is it like that anywhere in the, in the animal kingdom? That the greatest lions are waiting for the weakest antelope. That's not how college it works. football. College football is another great example. You want to fix college football? Instead of letting the schools pick who they play, the NCAA decides. There's no Just reason build the schedule. Why would I get no, to pick? Jace, who's Georgia playing today? Charleston, Charleston Southern. Charleston Southern. Ooh. Can you imagine, dude? Charleston Southern does Charleston not have. Charleston Southern has no reason to be on a football field with the University of Georgia. Like, in, if they were playing, like, an intramural flag football game, Georgia would still house them by 50. I yeah. mean, that is – there are – there are – there are. I mean, How about this would be a nice – How about Georgia plays tackle? Charleston Southern plays touch. <laughs> wouldn't it be nice – Chase, still wouldn't be it be close. nice today if Cincinnati had a shot at Georgia today? If, if that's what was actually going to happen today instead of so so again there you go and then the argument that they make Jared is well Cincinnati doesn't play anybody what you they're not playing if I'm a mid major and I'm good and I call the top school like can I think we could beat you guys they're not taking that call they don't want to play teams that they think they're going to well, lose to Georgia's second to last game is against. Charleston Southern. I mean, are you is, is, like that's that's a joke? Yeah. But you've got to, the th- the thing that bothers me the most is that people don't expect this. That's the thing that really gets to me is that that you leave like the trickle down economics. Somehow we're gonna leave things into the responsibility of the the people uh, by themselves, and they're gonna do the thing that's morally sound, whether it's in their best interest or not. What examples in human behavior in our entire history do you have where you would suggest something like that is gonna work out? When you let them pick their own opponents, you're gonna end up with stuff like this. If it's not rewarding for them, it's the beauty of scrub scraps again, it has to be rewarding for them. If you just give them food, Sooner or later, that's the rewarding part. It's not to build myself up. It's not to teach myself how to fish. It's just to eat the fish you gave me. We need to make it rewarding for them to do. Otherwise, it's got to have teeth on it. You need consequences. It has to be done by force because Georgia's going to pick Charleston Southern. And why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? And Canelo Alvarez is going to pick John Ryder and why wouldn't he? It either has to be rewarding for him to do something different, or he has to be doing something different by force. Hey, yeah. you give me you give me another you give me some time, Sander. I'm working on it. 
but I mean, we're going to give you some shows you want to be at with good competitive matches that are entertaining as hell. I promise you that. And we're less than a year away. Oh yeah. Good old days away, brother. Yeah. But for college football, I mean, they're picking their own opponents and they're also scheduling games 20 years in advance. So how, how good do you know a team's actually going to be at that point? I'll tell you this. Georgia knew 20 years ago that Charleston Southern wasn't going to be good 20 years ago. Oh, my God. Dude, dude, the spread is 52. The spread is 52 on that Georgia game, and the over-under is 58 and a half. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Jeez. All right. uh, I might take Charleston Southern getting – that many points with That's, 52 uh... points at least take the over right <laughs> yeah but uh get a touchdown you hit that over yeah well, i mean with that and i mean boxing all the 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 different organizations hindering the the, the good fights being made it's just all it's all a foundational issue and you have to take take apart everything and rebuild it back together and, and why would you put in the work to do that when you're already making money. So, I mean, it's never going to change. That's what's wrong with your generation. And, and you know, it's funny. Whenever I talk about Mayweather, Sanders, one of those people that gets really upset. And the example they always give me is, guys, making a ton of money. Oh, because money's the be all end all to life. It's not your legacy and it's not your reputation. It's not the respect of individuals. That's not what you should be concerned about. Well, money. I don't I don't buy that. I've never I've never had that philosophy. I don't have that philosophy when I was poor. I don't have that philosophy now. But if but if well, I'm gonna I'm offer you, but if I'm gonna offer you eighty dollars to fight Jace or a hundred dollars to fight me or a buck twenty to fight Bud Crawford. Well, I mean, you you ha- it's my point is you have to make your rewarding. Yeah. At some point you have to build those levels so that it's not rewarding for me to just keep I, ch- I challenged myself a bunch of times at Scrub Scraps. I wanted to challenge myself. There was no financial gain anyways. Why wouldn't I? But a lot of the times I did that, oh. it wasn't by... Sander, let, let me, let's clear this up, Sander. Take a look at Floyd's resume. And, and first of all, let's be real, okay? Can you tell me what the IBF silver champion even is? What does that mean? The Ring Magazine silver champion. champion. What? How is that intercontinental? This what is, is intercontinental? We so multiple continents. Not not to be confused with the world. And Floyd loves to talk about how many champions that he beat. You know, he beat more champ. I beat more champions than Joe Frazier. Well, Joe Frazier was the champion for twenty years. There was no other champion because there was no other belt. (laughs) There weren't 10 belts to go out there and get. You had to beat that one guy. And if you couldn't beat that one guy, you never got the belt. That's how it worked. Now there's enough belts. There's enough belts for every guy in the division. What are we doing here? So you're beating paper champions with fake titles that no one's ever heard of, that nobody respects. That's the difference. Yeah. But I mean, I I would prefer to talk about all of the guys that Floyd has avoided and dodged or fights he took 10 years too late. That's that's what I'd rather talk about, because to me, that's Floyd Mayweather's legacy. I don't give a crap how much money he has. 
He can't read. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, no, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, I mean, or, or in the Canelo instance, ten years too early. Diego Corrales was good. Sander was he? Was he one of the best of the best? No. Great fighter. Not 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 that level. When, when Floyd Mayweather, I've done this drill before when people were telling me Tank Davis and Adrian Broner were great, and they're not. I went back to their guy, Floyd Mayweather, because that's true. Until he was 24, 25, 26, he earned the spot that he's got. But he did that in his younger years against the best guys in the division, and as soon as he hit 29, 30, like I say, this is a human being growing up. That it is, isn't in their young lions, I want to know who the greatest is days, but is in their kind of married and kids. And if I can fight a lesser guy for 80, better guy for 100, or a champ for 120, give me the 80 unless I'm feeling good. But I'll never, I never want that big, huge fight. Once you hit a certain stature, why would Floyd do that for us? Floyd owes us something. I'm not yeah. saying I like it. I'm not defending him. I agree with you, Joe. Don't I want to know what I'm capable of? The only reason I don't get in bar fights once a week anymore is because I'm aware what I'm capable of. It's part of the another beautiful thing that Scrub Scraps bring to the world is these guys who think they can do and they all of a sudden everybody just knows what they're capable of. And there's no reason for us to do that. Yeah. Take it all away. And that's that's where Floyd is. Uh, Zab yeah. Judah won one rounds against uh, against Mayweather. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, but also I mean to backpedal a little bit. Uh, I mean, it isn't all about money. I mean, I wish it. I mean, it is all about money. I wish it weren't. Uh, Joey's saying that's a problem with my generation, Insane. but it's not. I mean, the thing is, is you have these corporations. I mean, Showtime, ESPN. Uh, used to be HBO now. The Zone. The, these guys, they care about money. They care about their guys. They care about their guys making them money. Why would you risk their guy going in, taking a loss, losing them money? So I mean, it's not rewarding. It's a fundamental, foundational issue with boxing. Do, do you know what happened on September seventeenth, two thousand eleven? I had a green shirt on. It was partly cloudy. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. It it was going down in Las Vegas, Nevada. Victor Ortiz versus Floyd Money Mayweather. I'll repeat, September 17th, 2011. You know what that represents? That's Mayweather's last knockout. Mm, A decade ago. Love touch, too. The guy was trying to shake hands with it. Yeah. That's his legacy. All that's, right, that's you win. <laughs> you wanna, you wanna, you, you wanna go to his, his You, you wanna throw that one out the window because you know that one was garbage, Jared. You know what I'm talking about. For anybody that doesn't know, uh, yeah, it was the sucker punch of the century. How about this? How about his his he beat Ricky Hatton to go to 39 and 0. You wanna know when that was? December 8th, 2007. That was the last stoppage Real. he got. If you don't count. Connor McGregor as a real fighter, and why wouldn't you? <laughs> Don't, well, what now, hang on. Sander, Sander, accounting, teaching, 
training. Don't tell me there's no other ways to make money except for pissing on my foot and telling me it's raining. How many other things did Ali do to Wilt Chamberlain played volleyball and was in a was in a Bruce Lee movie? There is plenty of other things that Floyd Mayweather could be doing with his time to make money besides pretending he's a good boxer still. Besides pretending he's at the top of the list because he can beat Conor McGregor and some Japanese guy that none of us can name right now. Yeah. Come on, man. There's plenty other stuff. Yeah, and you can play with your grandkids after a nice career in accounting. You can go home and spend all the time you want with your grandkids. When you're not on that level anymore, go beat up guys you can still keep up with. Isn't fair to the game. It isn't fair to the fans. It isn't fair to anybody. It isn't fair to the grandkids who think you're a great fighter and tell their friends at school how granddad is some super silver international intramural champion. <laughs> because it's because it's crap. You're feeding everyone crap. You want that good, solid foundation, and you can go play with your grandkids. Fine. Pick up another career when you hit an age where you can't fight at the level you once did. Or or take some of that money. Look at Shaq. He's got like 50 different endorsements. Take some of that money, endorse it in something, make some money. Don't go take that money and go go hang out with some strippers and blow it all there. Keep Dave winning or do something so else. You have to keep fighting. But, uh, yes. Yes. Thank you. You adapt and adjust. This is what Chad Dawson didn't do that Bernard Hopkins was able to do. You adapt, you adjust, and you find a way to get the work done. If money is turns into the objective, if saying safe so you can spend time with your grandkids and making money has turned into the objective, then find a way to do that without trying to fool us into thinking you're still an upper echelon fighter because you're not. Go play with your fights, great kids. By the way, 50 fights. I, I count nine legit opponents on Mayweather's resume. Nine. Nine. Yeah, nine, and that's know. counting Manny Pacquiao at 49 years old or however old he was when they Is finally got around the meeting. counting 18-year-old Canelo? Again, I, I'm counting... The actual oh, big yeah. names on his resume. <laughs> oh, I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but, uh, oh, yeah. 100%. That's exactly what it is. But, uh, I mean, we could we could spend hours, hours talking about how Floyd Mayweather has hurt boxing. But I think we got to move on. Let's take a break. Let's take a quick second, unwind, and let's get into the fights coming up. It's been a pretty wet summer in Connecticut, and that means more mosquitoes than ever. If you didn't have your home service for mosquito control and find you're spending most of your time outside flooding those little pests, you are in luck. Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut provides the best value in mosquito control services because of how they treat your yard using the Mosquito Shield tailored treatment system. They don't use a fixed schedule or an identical product one size fits all service program because you can't control mosquitoes on a set number of sprays or visits. Unlike the competition, Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut will service you for this season whatever it takes to provide superior results. This promise has awarded them an industry-leading consumer retention rating of 90%. Visit MosquitoShieldCT.com to schedule an appointment with Wade the Cesare and enjoy the rest of your summer mosquito-free. 
Fight Night 198 features a women's bantamweight bout between Catlin Vieira and former Strike Force and UFC women's bantamweight champion Misha Tate. Let's break it down. Caitlin Vieira. Catlin Vieira is 30 years old. She's 5'8 with a 68-inch reach and a record of 11-2 with two knockouts and four submissions. From Mananus, Amazonas, Brazil, Vieira took up Brazilian jiu-jitsu and judo at the age of 12, going on to win the Brazilian National Wrestling Championship before transitioning over to MMA, where she made her professional debut in October of 2014 with a second-round knockout of Juliana Lete. She won her next five with one knockout and three submissions before making her UFC debut two years later, scoring a close decision over Kelly Fasholes. She followed that up with a unanimous decision over Ashley Evans-Smith and a second-round arm triangle choke of former Olympic silver medalist Sarah McMahon. In March of 2018, she beat Amanda Nunes' conqueror, Kat Sangano, by split decision. However, three months later, she suffered her first loss when she took on the dangerous, hard-hitting Irene Aldana, getting knocked out cold by a thunderous counter-left hook at the end of the first round. After having several matches canceled for visa issues, she returned on September 27, 2020, with a unanimous decision in a back-and-forth fight over former Ultimate Fighter contestant Sahara Eubanks, but four months later, she missed weight and forfeited 20% of her purse when she took on former Invicta Bantamweight champion Yana Kunitskaya, losing by a close decision. An aggressive pressure fighter, Vieira possesses heavy hands and world-class grappling skills, averaging two takedowns every 15 minutes while boasting a nearly perfect 92% takedown defense. Misha Tate is 35 years old. She's 5'6", with a 65-inch reach and a record of 19-7, with four knockouts and seven submissions. From Tacoma, Washington, Tate took up wrestling in high school, competing on the boys' team all four years and winning the girls' state championships in her senior year. While attending college, she made a switch to MMA, amassing an amateur record of 5-1 before turning pro in November of 2007 at the hook-and-shoot women's tournament, winning her first fight by decision before getting knocked out in her second match later that night. She then went 11-2 with seven finishes before winning the Strike Force Wyndham's Bantamweight Championship with a fourth-round arm triangle choke submission of Marlo S. Conan. Her reign was short-lived, however, as seven months later, she lost her title via first-round armbar to Ronda Rousey. She bounced back later that year, scoring an armbar over Julie Kedzie, but then dropped her next two, a third-round knockout by Kat Zingano, and another armbar submission to Ronda Rousey. She returned four months later with a wide decision over Liz Carmucci, then went on a tear, scoring victories over Sarah McMahon and Jessica I to put her in line for a title shot. On March 5, 2016, she took on new champion Holly Holm, engaging in a brutal back-and-forth fight for four rounds until midway through the fifth when Tate took her back and submitted her via rear naked choke. Four months later, she made her first title defense, taking on future pound-for-pound great Amanda Nunes, taking a savage beating until getting submitted by rear naked choke in the first round. After dropping a unanimous decision to Raquel Pennington in November 2016, she announced her retirement. In July of 2020, she made a return, scoring a third-round knockout of Marion Renault, a true pioneer in women's MMA. Tate is a well-rounded striker with world-class wrestling skills and excellent submissions. Can Viara use her size advantage of wrestling background to beat Tate and get herself back into title contention? Or will Tate use her vast experience and striking ability to stop Fenomeno as she eyes a rematch with Amanda Nunes? 
Tune in Saturday night to UFC Fight Night, Vieira versus Tate. And let's find out. Uh, I, but before we get to this, I love how everyone's still arguing in the comments. It's great about uh, Floyd Mayweather. But, uh, I mean, this is just how – I mean, this relates so much to what we were talking to. Misha Tate's a name. If this were boxing, she'd just be fighting the 150th ranked person, the 130th ranked person, just, just beating whoever, just to keep being a name, keep being Misha Tate. But Catlin Vieira, she's a beast, and this is going to be a good fight. How do you see it playing out, Joe? Uh, I think this one is definitely going to end in a submission. Um, it will be by Misha Tate, and it will be in the fourth round. I think it's going to be a great fight. Uh, Vieira's really good fighter, dude. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I'm I'm excited for this. It is a great main event. And listen, you know that's the that is one of the great things about this sport, right? Conor McGregor's out for a couple of years, and he comes he comes back and he fights Dustin Poirier. <laughs> I mean, this is that kind of sport where you know you come back to this sport. And you don't fight a cupcake. No pun intended on uh, Tate's nickname here, but that's how this works. And so, uh, you know, I, well I thought they kind of threw her. The, the fight with uh, Renault was a bit of a bone. You know, she was on her way out. You know what I'm saying? On paper, it looked like a good fight, and it definitely wasn't. Um, this is where Tate but needs to be. This is bone a, for both. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, certainly. Look. <clears throat> This is going to be a really good fight. Uh, th this is, to me, a, a nice step up for Vieira. I mean, I think Vieira really, you know, needs a good <laughs> signature win. And so, you know, and again, I, Tate needs to Tate needs to prove she's back if she's really, yeah, cupcakes are good. I'm not going to make any inappropriate comments because <laughs> I'm not that kind of person. But anyway, um, no. Yeah, you know, I uh, just saw Tony in, in the comments. Uh, you know, Tate's got to move the head. Like to put a uh, few candles in that and wishing happy birthday. Oh, my God. Hilarious. <laughs> See? <laughs> That's why I said it. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Tate Tate does. Uh, she's the, the lack of head movement will be an issue. I feel like, though, the good thing about Misha Tate is when, when she does and when she gets hit a lot, it, she wakes up. Uh, and realizes that I, I can't stand here in the pocket and keep getting clipped. So I think it's going to be a good fight, but I, I do think uh, eventually Tate's going to get that back uh, and choke her out. That's how I'm feeling. With that reach and the lack of head movement, I'll tell you what, <laughs> she's going to have to imitate Floyd. But uh, VR, a lucky bunch. I love this. Have this this fight go <laughs> down here. Um, this is this is going to be a wildly entertaining and a lot of fun. I mean, if if this wasn't if we weren't covering this fight, it might be my fight of the night. Changing of the guard type of fight where the uh, uh and they they it's it's tough to call. But uh, give me the young lion here. She's a little longer. She's a little taller. She's younger. She's stronger. And uh, she doesn't have the experience edge uh, on Tate, but no active fighter does really. And, um, yeah, I think this is the younger 
stronger girl getting it done. I'm taking Vieira. This is one of the <laughs> – oh, my goodness. I love it. But uh, this is one of the hardest fights to pick for me. I mean, I see it going so many ways. I mean, Joe, you talk about it's probably going to end in a submission. Uh, I think maybe. But but these guys are also – I mean, both these women, they're, they're the ground, they like to take it to the ground. And sometimes when you're like that, it, when they meet in the ring, they just start – it's on the – they're on the feet the whole time. Sometimes it just plays out yes. like that. Well, I feel like that's this either Paula Costa or just the men, the men in general. Rousey type of fight. Yeah. I feel like in the women's game, they completely understand that you have to bring the whole toolbox to the fight. So the idea that these two would get into a stand-up for any significant length of time, thats that the women's game, they're not that stupid. They, women don't go in there with something to prove like men do. Like Paul Acosta, like, I'm going to stand there toe-to-toe with Adesanya. You know, a guy with 90 kickboxing fights before we got into this sport. And I won't use my Brazilian jiu-jitsu. This should go great. So you don't see that in the women's game because they they understand, like, not having a penis is 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 is, is beyond just the physicality of it. Do you understand it also affects I, yeah. your brain, Where's and it makes you think this? clearly, and it makes you not worry about, you know, well, I got to show these guys what's up. No, women go in there, and they're like, I'm going to execute, and I'm going to win my fight, and I'm going to do what I do best. Th- this is a, a, a man construct of stupidity. So I don't okay. think you have this game. There, These two ladies are going to be rolling all over each other tonight. Okay. It's going to be a lot of rolling around, Jace. You're going to love this. All right. But uh, I'd love to spectate this one in life. I like it, guys. I love it. It's great. We're all but, showing uh, off our We are a funny bunch team. today, aren't we? Yeah, we are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so back to what I was saying. It could either be like Kobe Covington and Usman one, where, where you think something's going to happen on the ground. They both just duke it out on the feet. Or I, I could see Tate taking it to the ground and smashing Vieira. Uh, or and eventually get in the back, or just TK TKO in her. I see Vieira throwing up a hail mary submission and landing it and getting it. But I, I'm gonna go with Vieira here because I do think she gets a submission, and I, I think the real the, the real big factor is. I mean, I mean, you saw it in in the video. Uh, we just played. Or fight with Sarah McMahon. She was looking for the legs. And I think that's something not a lot of, I mean, old school jiu-jitsu practitioners, they don't don't, uh, really uh, account for that. And wrestlers, uh, the leg submissions, leg locks, those are very hard. Uh, I think Vieira can get it, get her leg. And, and, uh, I mean, those are really, those really suck. Because, uh, uh, I mean, you, you can do a lot of damage with the leg locks. But I do think Fiera gets a leg lock victory. We'll go round four. Round four. So Fiera, these girls both really versatile, have a lot of different tools in the toolbox. Yeah. Um, but I think it'll be the hands of Fiera that'll dictate. 
Mm. <laughs> no? All right. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, and before we move on, uh, Demetrius Andre last night. Yeah. Take the under. Second round knockout. Did either one of you get the uh, nickname Jason160 Quigley? No. Wreck it by a new one? Your crew run, run, run. Your crew run, run. It's Big E-Line. S-Cargo. Ma-Cargo. 160 Quigley. Oh! Got you. 160 Quigley. I was thinking of Quigley down. Wreck it by a new one. Yeah. Your crew run, run, run. Your crew run, run. Andre needs to get this big fight. All these guys we're talking about that are running into all these other weight class, he will follow you to cruiserweight. Canelo, like how big do you want to be to fight this kid? Because he'll go there and fight you at that weight. Pick pick a number. By the yeah. way, by the way, my brother just wrote. Obviously, that's uh, from Hypnotize. But this is a great show for my brother because we're talking about his favorite sports, and then we just brought up his favorite rapper. So it's a good day in Tony's world. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mentioned Andre earlier, but yeah, he really does. He needs that big fight. I mean, he reminds me. A lot of a person we're about to talk about, Terrence Crawford. It's kind of awkward uh, and, and makes you fight at, at his pace and makes you do it. He dictates everything. So I, I want to see him get that big fight because I think he's a stud. I mean, we mentioned it, though. But uh, I just mentioned it. Let's get into it. Big fight of the night. WBC. Right? WBC? Uh, yeah. Uh, WBO welterweight champ and pound for pound king Terrence Crawford faces off against former WBC welterweight champ Sean Porter. And Joe's gonna break it down for us. WBO champion Terrence Crawford defends his welterweight title against the number two ranked WBO welterweight contender Sean Porter on Saturday night. Let's break it down. Showtime Sean Porter is 34 years old. He's five foot seven with a 69 and a half inch reach and a record of 31, three and one with 17 knockouts. From Cleveland, Ohio, he began boxing at 15 years old under the tutelage of his father, Kenny Porter, winning the United States Golden Gloves Championship and racking up victories over such luminaries as Alexander Usek, Danny Jacobs, and Demetrius Andrade. After amassing an amateur record of 276 and 14, he turned pro on October 3rd, 2008, with a first-round knockout of Norman Johnson. Over the next five years, he went 22-0-1 with 14 knockouts before defeating Devin Anderson by unanimous decision in December of 2013 to win the IBF weight title. He defended the belt with a fourth-round knockout of former champion Paulie Malinji, but four months later lost his title to Kell Brook by majority decision. He came back the following year, knocking out Eric Bonet with a series of hooks in round five and followed that up with a dominant unanimous decision over former champion Adrian Broner before taking on WBA welterweight champion Keith Thurman. In a wild brawl that saw both men rock several times, he combined for a total of 1,201 punches thrown, Porter lost by close unanimous decision. He bounced back 10 months later with a ninth-round demolition of former champion Andre Berto and followed it up with a wide decision victory over Adrian Granados to claim the WBC silver belt. On September 8, 2018, he became a two-time world champion when after getting off to a slow start, 
He went out to dominate Danny Garcia with a vicious body attack to win the vacant WBC welterweight title. He retained his belt with a controversial split decision over your Dennis Ugas and in September of 2019 attempted to take the IBF title in a unification fight with champion Errol Spence Jr. In another high-octane all-action brawl, he got off to a fast start, overwhelming Spence at times until a brutal body assault began to take its toll with Porter getting dropped in the 11th and losing a split decision. After more than a year out of the ring, he returned on August 22, 2020, putting on a dominant performance against Germany's Sebastian Formella from start to finish and winning every round in all three judges' scorecards. A highly aggressive pressure fighter, Porter is at his best when he turns his fights into brawls, wearing his opponent's style with a withering body attack and some of the best stamina in the game. Terrence Bud Crawford is 34 years old. He's 5'8 with a 74-inch reach and a perfect record of 37-0 with 28 knockouts. From Omaha, Nebraska, he took up boxing at the age of 7 and medaled at several regional and national championships before turning pro in March of 2008 with a first-round knockout of Brian Cummings. Over the next five years, he rose through the rankings, compiling a record of 22-0 with 16 knockouts before defeating Ricky Burns by unanimous decision to claim the WBO lightweight title. After a ninth-round knockout of former champion Yoriokis Gamboa, he went on to stop Thomas Delorme by six-round TKO to claim the WBO junior welterweight title. He retained that belt twice with knockouts of Derry Jean and Hank Lundy before adding the WBC belt with a unanimous decision over Ukraine's Viktor Postal. After two more successful defenses by stoppage, he blew out WBA and IBF champion Julius Indongo to become only the third undisputed world champion in the modern era. Just 11 days after the fight, he began vacating the belts, choosing instead to move up in weight. And on June 19, 2018, he knocked out Jeff Horn in nine rounds to claim the WBO welterweight title. For his first title defense, he put on an absolute masterclass, dominating former champion Jose Benitez from the opening bell and finishing him with a vicious flurry near the end of the 12th round. Six months later, he took on Amir Khan, dropping him in the first round with an overhand right-left hook combo and wobbling him several times before landing an accidental low blow, which rendered Khan unable to continue. In December of 2019, he took on longtime rival Igidis Kabalakis, who gave an excellent account of himself in the first half of the fight, roughing up Crawford and unofficially dropping him in the third round before Bud turned up the heat, dropping him once in the seventh and twice in the ninth before the referee called a halt to the contest. On November 14, 2020, after several heated exchanges, he defended his title for the fourth time when he blew out former IBF champion Kel Brook, stunning him with a thunderous short right hook and then finishing him up against the ropes with a flurry of brutal power shots. One of the most well-rounded fighters in the sport, Crawford is a slick, counter-punching southpaw who uses exceptional ring IQ, fast hands, and mastery of the fundamentals to keep his opponents at a distance and set up his power shots and is equally adept in fighting while also possessing a tremendous killer instinct. Will the rugged style and determination of Porter be able to turn this into a dogfight? Or will Bud be able to keep Showtime at a distance and use his exceptional IQ to dominate the fight as he continues to cement his legacy as one of the greatest fighters of his generation? Tune in Saturday night to Porter versus Crawford, and let's find out. 
the biggest knock on Terrence Crawford is, uh, I mean, unless you're Bob Arum and he can't promote himself, but it's, he doesn't have the names <laughs> on his resume. So, uh, I mean, now you got Sean Porter, pretty big name. Joe, can you take advantage of this? Uh, yeah, uh, well, he doesn't have he doesn't have the names on his resume because nobody wants to fight him. Yeah. Let's let's be clear that this is the opposite of Floyd Mayweather. This is a guy, uh, but just the other day was saying he would move up to go fight Canelo if that's what it takes. Um, between the height and reach advantage that Bud comes in with, the technical skills, the fact that Porter's a brawler, brawlers don't beat elite level fighters. A head first brawler is going to walk into something. The ring IQ that Bud Crawford has tells me he won't get into the kind of dogfight that Sean Porter needs to turn this into if he were to have any chance at all to win this fight, and he does not. How you like that? You like it 7-1? to one? Yeah. You like it 7-1, to one or is the plus 190 under? Under 10 and a half. Oh, this will go under 10 and a half. Are you doubling up with under 10 and a half? And you're taking Crawford uh, seven to one. I like Crawford. Yeah. I'm taking Crawford. Uh, I don't like any of the numbers, though. I don't like the over under. I don't like the seven to one. I really, I might not put anything on this fight because I just don't like the way the numbers are worked out. Seven to one is tough for Crawford. I think he'll win. Fairly confident. Seven to one's a lot. If he was four to one, I'd I'd put something on him. Uh yeah, maybe the under. I think double up on the under is what I'm playing here if I'm playing something. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that for the under. But I mean, uh a lot of people say Crawford is a is a slow starter, which he is. But uh I mean it, it's it's also I don't even think you can You could say Lomachenko's a slow starter yes, yes. too if you wanted to, but that's not what they're yeah. doing. They're not slow starters. They're 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 figuring oh, yeah. things out and they make adjustments as the fight goes on. Let's not yeah. confuse the two. No, uh, I know. They, All right. He I mean it, it's not even I don't even think he's necessarily figuring out. You have to figure out Crawford. Yeah. He, that's how just unique he is. And, and he lets you figure it out and then oh oh you think you have you you think you understand what's going on then he turns on the gas and puts it away and with a guy like a uh Porter who's a brawler I, I think him just coming in early just not really caring about what uh I think he goes head first early looks for that brawl early doesn't really care what Croft trying to figure out Crawford he just wants to turn it into a brawl and, and that's where I think Crawford starts. I mean, he gets it going e even earlier than normal. Uh, I think, uh, like the Amir Khan fight, I mean, everyone's talking about a slow. He gets that early knockdown, and then it's over from there. I think, yeah, Crawford gets it at under under easy. I, I think the under is easy. I uh, like Sean Porter, but if you couldn't beat Spence and Thurman with this style of fighting, you're not beating – Terrence Crawford playing. And that's what I was going to say to Jace. The issue is that's not the plan for Porter to figure him out and find a way yeah. to do something tactical. This is chess and checkers. You guys know what you call oh. a subpar hustler? 
Cross. Amir Khan. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, so take Bud Crawford here. It's boxer versus brawler. You want the you want the boxer. <laughs> that one even took me a minute after you said it. <laughs> Amir Khan. Oh, yeah. genius. All right, but uh, yeah. I so, mean, and we're all taking Bud here. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, By the way, I don't, if you guys saw any of the press conference this week, uh, these two guys get along really well, and yeah. Uh, Crawford wore like a, a gym suit, basically. The other, uh, and and uh, Porter had a purple suit on, and uh, yeah, <laughs> he was like, "Oh, I should have worn my suit, but I'm glad I didn't because I have the same one in the same color." <laughs> like that would have looked so, dude, all goofing around, having a very respectful back and forth. Um, Josh Taylor came by to see uh to see my boy uh Bud this week, and and most importantly yesterday. Yesterday, they had the way in. They had the, the the stare down the whole nine, and I tell you right now, you saw the transition from Terrence Crawford. Bud showed up, and yeah. Bud's a scary dude. <laughs> Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford's a great fighter and a nice guy, but when Bud comes out, and Bud was at that way in boy, the stare down. Big trouble if you're Sean Porter. Yep. Good luck. Yeah. Well, and the fight, the fight will be a lot more exciting than the press conferences were. I promise you that. These guys weren't at each other's necks and throwing water bottles and pushing each other and stuff. And you didn't get a lot of a I really respect him and I think he's a great fighter. I would say the same about you too. Well, yeah. you know the, you really know the controversial like, moment. Not... Dude, they try to make a thing of it because Sean Porter turned away first. They're like, Porter turned away first. He's like, stop. Because yeah, if anything, I try to create anything, something here, there's nothing. Anything, yeah, now, anything they could get. Just no. empty bulletin boards in both <laughs> locker rooms. Nothing. But yeah. the, fight, the fight will be something worth watching. And if you ask Bob Arum, that's why Terrence Crawford isn't isn't a good fighter. Because yeah, he, Bob Arum's he, there was respect in that stuff. What does Bob Arum weigh? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, all right, let's move on. Fight of the night. I think there's a big one. Uh, co-main event, UFC. Uh, Michael Chiesa, he's a beast. But, Joe, what's your fight of the night? I had Chiesa Brady. I'm excited about that. I always like to. I always like when Chiesa's in, in the octagon. So, looking forward to that. It's not a really great card otherwise. No. Not a, not a lot of names. But sometimes I like these cards because you get great fights. You'll get some first-round, I think, knockouts. Because there's a good chance there could be some mismatches. And, and and a year from now, some of these guys will be names that you'll start to see again. So um uh we'll see what happens. Yeah. And Brady's on the feed at 14 and 0. That's gonna be Talia Santos. I like yeah. that name. Adrian Yanez and Talia Santos. Santos is fighting Joanne Calderwood. That's gonna be a good fight. Um, you it's know, not I always go with boxing on fight of the night and this one. It's a different Joanne. It's Joanne no? Wood, not Calderwood. It's just Joanne Wood. Just Wood. Joanne Calderwood and Talia Santos. Why does it say just Wood? All right. No, it's Calderwood. Interesting. Okay. That would be Continue. weird if right. there was a lady whose name was just. She grabbed. Hey, hey, what did she do for a booty call? Calderwood. Um, <laughs> I'm taking uh, Isaac Dogbay 
<laughs> and Christopher Diaz asked my fight of the night boxing match. Isaac Dog Bay to beat Christopher Diaz. Do not miss that fight, though. It'll be exciting. Uh, I mean, speaking of those, I believe you have those guys on your puncher's chance. Isaac Dogbay. Segway. This is a this is one of those big time punches chants that I talk about. So if you put $24 on Isaac Dogbay and Adam Lopez over six and a half, you end up with a win of $26 and a penny. You're going to take that $26 and you're going to round robin all of these underdogs. You can go ahead and try to pronounce the names on your own. Alexis Garcia is the last one. Um, Round robin those. Any two of them turns into a win. If all five of those hits, those are the five upsets I like best out of these 20-something fights. If all five hit, you're up a quarter million. So that's probably not going to happen. But uh, even two of these is enough to turn it into a win. Dog ban the overbreaks you even. You'll win, you'll win a penny. All right. All right. That's great. But uh, um, that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you. I mean, as far as the fights go, um, big fight tonight, especially in the, in the ring. Make sure to check that out. Crawford versus Porter. And uh, and obviously Vieira versus Tate. And a uh, big shout out to Mosquito Shield for sponsoring today's episode. Make sure you check them out. Tell uh, sign up for their services at Mosquito Mosquito Shield CT, and tell them throwing jabs and Clovercrest Media sent you, and they'll hook you up with a discount. And we're gonna end the show like we always do. And Jared, hit us with that flurry. Um, a lot of times people go through things and they think they're all by themselves or nobody else has ever been through it. Uh, just a path. You're blazing your own trail, so to speak. And, uh, it's hard to imagine that, that somebody else has been there or gone through it because you just feel all alone. So we had somebody, uh, a friend of mine, scrub scraps, family, um, Go away for a little while. And uh, and I sent him this picture uh, before he left for his uh, two, two starters to start his bid. He's going away for a little while. And um, I wanted him to know that, that the path he's on um, is one that's traveled. I mean, I'm, I'm still five. I'm probably a couple pounds lighter than that. Uh, but there are a lot of things that are different about me to turn into the valedictorian you see there on the left. Um, that's a two-time felon there on the right. I did four prison sentences. And then I was one of only four, uh, 4.0s in my psych program over the course of the 11 years that they had run the program. And now I've started my own business with Scrub Scraps and, uh, he's been a part of it ever since the beginning. And I just, I wanted him to know that we're in his corner. 
that were in his corner and no matter how alone you feel, however um, overgrown the path may be, somebody somewhere has walked before. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com. 